Welcome back to another episode of the Bisexual Agenda. I'm your host, Kit Scales. Last week, I was talking about queer cinema with my lovely, beautiful angel, Olivia. I just wanted to add a few more films to the list that aren't necessarily bisexual, but are gay and amazing. So The Handmaiden, which is a really beautiful Korean lesbian erotic thriller, which is based on the Sarah Walters novel, Fingersmith. I think it's actually available on all four at the moment, so that's an easy way to get it. But I'm a Cheerleader is a classic. If you haven't seen it, watch it. It's kind of outdated, but in the most amazing way. It's like a fever dream, and it has Natasha Leone in it, who we all know is like honorary lesbian of them all. And Moonlight, I didn't even mention this because I just felt like it was so obvious, but I think it's just like the perfect most perfect film ever made and when I watched it I literally cried for like five hours and I want to watch it again but I'm just scared of the like emotions that it will unleash so yeah definitely don't watch it on a full moon because it might just murder you but it's honestly the most beautiful perfect thing ever everyone who's in it does like the most amazing performance it's beautiful I'm so glad that they won best picture and let's not even mention the whole La La Land fiasco. So this week I'm talking to Luna. Luna is a trans femme gobshite from Leeds, her words not mine. She's an artist, performer, curator, community organiser, TM and share fan. I wanted to get Luna on the show because she runs Queer Karaoke, which happens every month at Wharf Chambers. Um, It's an event run by non-binary Leeds and it's open to everyone. It's just the most wholesome queer event ever. It's essentially the feeling of the Great British Bake Off, but it's gay and there's no pool Hollywood. So yeah, basically just the best thing to ever exist. And every month, Luna just opens queer karaoke with like a share song to get everyone in the mood. Luna fucking loves share, so I thought it'd be fun to talk about queer icons, specifically women in music. I've made three playlists to accompany this episode because I got really carried away thinking about my favourite gay songs and just like queer music that I like and I realised it fits into like three categories so I've made three. So the first one is Moody Bisexual. So when I was like 16 to 18 I just spent most of my time lying on my bed or walking around being depressed, listening to Regina Spector, Lana Del Rey, and Fiona Apple. And honestly, I don't think I'm the only one. So if you just want to be in your feelings and sad, that's definitely the one for you. Then the second one is Gay Bop. So this has just got all the classics. It's got Dolly Parton, Spice Girls, Britney Spears. It's got the energy of like the trashy gay club night vibe, but with like a girls just want to have fun energy. And then the last one is Pillow Princess. So I realized that so many songs are just about getting head and it's truly amazing. And I'd like to dedicate this playlist to the most iconic bisexual in music 
Fergie. So when I was doing the research for this episode, I realized that Fergie is bisexual and I literally was so happy. And I just don't understand how I didn't know that she was bi until now because we all know that Fergalicious could never be created by a straight woman. Like it's just got so much pizzazz. It's like a lifelong banger and it's just amazing. And I also feel like calling your debut album The Duchess is just like big pillow princess energy. So that's a playlist for all the lazy firms out there. They're all on Spotify and I'll put them up on my Instagram stories when this episode comes out. So yeah, thanks so much for listening and I hope you enjoy the episode. So we're going to talk about Cher and how much you love Cher. Yeah. Tell me why you love Cher. Because Cher is the ultimate gay icon. She represents, for me, a lot about what my femme is. Um, Like, she doesn't really play by the rules. Like, people have tried to get her to play by the rules, and she very much goes, well, those don't fit me. Um, And so just completely throws them off. So there was, like... Not really controversy, but a whole thing about how she shouted over the balcony at the Kennedy Center Awards um, to Cindy Lauper. And was just like, oh, you told me you weren't here for this. <laughs> was it like, you told me you were in LA? <laughs> and Cindy Lauper was like, well, I lied. And just carried on <gasps> performing. Um, and it's like, nobody's ever done that. And it's supposed to be this really prestigious award. Um, and Cher's just like, I don't care. She's <laughs> very Larry. I yeah. love it. All her tweets are in capital letters. It was really scary. <laughs> I was trying to read them last night and I was like, I need my glasses on to read Yeah, these. and she enthusiastically uses emojis. She's got her own emoji language. She loves point. the big red exclamation mark and question mark together. Yeah. Which is a mood. It's, yeah. I'm screaming and I don't get it. <laughs> also, she wears the best outfits. She does. Not even like movie outfits, just like in general. She has such great outfits. I'm gonna do a mood board of all the outfits she's ever worn. Yeah, there was a, was it like a Louis Theroux thing about fashion? Was it Louis Theroux? I can't remember, but it was like somebody going into, was it Vogue and ended up like wanting to talk to somebody about something and then like chickened out and just ended up talking about Cher's denim collection from the <laughs> 80s. And I was like, that is a beautiful moment where I just didn't know what to say and just said something about Cher and this woman just goes off about a like yes. all the denim she wore in the 80s yes, and how great yes, it was. Yes, yes, yes. Also, do you like Mamma Mia <laughs> too? I do like Mamma Mia too, mainly for the last 15 minutes, which Cher is in it. Um, I mean, the whole film is a trip. It's. <laughs> I feel like they fucked it up because they used all the good songs in the first one because they thought that no one would like it. They did, and then they basically attempted to use half the songs again and retell the exact same story the second time around. I think it would have been better if they had the same people because... <laughs> Meryl Streep looks the same. They could have just done that. They, they could have actually put Meryl Streep in the movie properly. It was fucking rude. Also, I like Lily James. Like, I like her belly. But I don't really think she's a good actress. You like her belly? Yeah, she's just in a crop top for the whole film. Okay. But I don't think she's got the pizzazz. Like, for me, she wasn't a young Donna. I was like, she would have been cooler than this. Okay, yeah, because she is... Um... I feel like the film's very, like, high camp and... 
she didn't really bring a camp energy. It felt like she was trying to play it straight. She was too straight. Yeah, no, we need big gay energy, and she just wasn't gay enough. And who's the one that, like, has short hair who's clearly a dyke, and they're, like, trying to make her not a dyke? Oh, the one that was, um, young Julie Waters. Yes. I don't know anyone's name. <laughs> like, um, she's a lesbian. Yeah, that that just felt shoehorned in. It was, it was very awkward. They're like, she needs a love interest. How about she's vying for the affections of this guy who's in love with Lily James? Yeah, it's also the Waterloo scene was... I hated it. Yeah, it's like, let's make the awkward gay guy sing Waterloo as a love song. Hmm. It was quite bad. It was very, very creepy. It just doesn't work. Um, yeah, me and Louisa went to go see it when we got back from Brighton. Because um, I'd been down to perform at Trans Pride and we were both down there. And we're like, we should go see it while we're in Brighton because it'd be the gayest thing ever. Mm-hmm. And then we chickened out. And then as soon as we got back, we were both like, right, we're going to go see it. Um, and that scene, we just sat down like, no, no. When I watched it, I was just waiting for Cher that entire time. Yeah, well, have you seen the uh, comic relief Mamma Mia 2 skit? No. Um, it is basically like, and and soon, Cher. And it's basically just building <laughs> up to Jennifer Saunders coming in doing Cher. She was like, on, she was so central on the poster that I thought she was going to be a main character. No, the entire thing was just the biggest album teaser. For, for Dancing Queen. <laughs> okay. She was like, I need some promo, please. Oh, because she did the album off the back of that, but I still think it, it works well as just the longest album teaser in history. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Like, I, w- I wanted to like it more because I like the first one so much. Yeah, I think them attempting to do the, like, jumping back in time, jumping forward in time didn't And also really this, work. if you're going to let the old cast be in it, anyway and just be like okay it doesn't make any sense anymore because the old cast and the new cast are in at the same time they could have just done that the whole way through yeah but also just the iconic line that christine brinsky comes out with be still my beating vagina (laughs) i love her yeah they actually cast the younger one of her really good she was the only one that was perfect like they look the same yeah no that worked really well and also just that line is I've used that line. And I think my vagina perfect. has beaten before. <laughs> <laughs> That's only if you really need to pee, though. Just you've never seen like a really hot dyke or something, and it's been like, oh. Oh my dun, god, dun, me and dun, me, dun, and, dun. <laughs> me and Olivia were at Temple the other day, and there were like two ambulances parked outside. So I thought there'd been like a horrific death or something. And when we walked around the corner, nothing mm. was happening. And then when we were in Temple, this really hot like butch dyke paramedic came in. In her, like, ambulance outfit, which is, like, basically a American postman outfit, but green. <laughs> and she was just buying a donut. And then when we left, they were still parked outside. But, like, I don't understand. But, yeah, she was, like, the hottest person I've ever seen. We love a dyke in overalls. Anyway, back to Cher. Okay, back to Cher. <laughs> Tell me more. Um, so... So one thing I tweet, uh, did I tweet it? No, I think I just put it on Facebook and Instagram. I don't think I had time to tweet it before I had to then run out of the house to get here. <laughs> um, so Cher was the original pick to play Morticia Adams in The Addams Family. I have a picture to show you that I saw this morning because Sophie Turner dressed up as Morticia Adams. Have you Ooh, seen it? Probably not. It's like so hot. Wow. Okay, no, that is... That's like my perfect woman. My perfect beautiful. woman is fancy dress. Sophie Turner. Yeah, Sophie Turner as Morticia Adams. We stand. Who was the real one? I've never seen the, that show. You've never seen the movies? No, I'm like, are they scary? No. <laughs> I 
I didn't see them when I was so a kid, like, so now I think they're scary. It's more like comedy horror. Even that would scare me. Okay, so it's Angelica Houston that plays uh, Martesha Adams in the movies, and she's great. Okay, I'm gonna Google it. Um, but yeah, the fact that Cher was the original pick for that is just like, wow, that could have been amazing. Oh yeah, I know who she is. So did you ever see The Witches? Yeah. Yep. So she played the Grand High Witch in that. I heard a rumor that they're, they're remaking it. The Witches. Yeah. Oh. But I can't remember who was going to be cast in the lead. I don't know how I feel about that. Who could play the Grand High Witch? Cher. <laughs> there we go. Cher can finally take over all the roles that Angelica Houston's <laughs> played. Um, Anne Hathaway. <laughs> what? Anne yeah, Hathaway is the Grand High Witch. I don't know. Let me read the Wikipedia. Uh, live research happening. It stars Anne Hathaway, Octavia Spencer, Stanley Tucci. Is it Tucci? Yeah. Yeah. I Stanley thought. Tucci and Anne Hathaway together again. Yes, really nice. <laughs> At last, and Chris Rock. Oh, oh. It's produced by that guy. I can't say his name. Oh, Del Toro. Ooh. So I think it will be fucked. <laughs> but good fucked. <laughs> yeah, Anne Hathaway as Grand High Witch is going to be a stretch for her to actually be scary because she's just like the purest being ever known. Has she ever played a bitch? Um, she? That's a good question. I don't know. I think that's more camper than scary because it's not I mean it was scary back in the day because like it was a kids move back, movie back in the day mm-hmm. and they're all terrifying they are but I think now it would end up being a lot more camp than it would be scary. but can she do camp oh yeah the one thing she said that she's really upset about is that she didn't get to be Judy Garland in the biopic Renee Zellweger is <gasps> I know I felt like Renee Zellweger like I thought we were like share and then just she's been disappeared for ever and now she's come back and she's doing that. It just seems, like, weird. Yeah, she did a third Bridget Jones move and they were just like, you're relevant again, we'll, we'll bring you back. I fucking hated that last Bridget Jones. I didn't see it. I really didn't It was a disgrace. It. I watched it when I was, like, hungover with my friends in Brighton and we were like, oh, maybe it'll be funny. And there was only, like, one vaguely funny joke. Oh, no. And they didn't have Colin Firth or Hugh Grant. Or maybe they had one but not the other, so it's just wrong. Yeah, no, like, that. that is a thing of, like, you need the original cast. They fucked it. Okay, tell me about Cher. I'm sorry, I derailed. Okay, so um, here's one that might be interesting. I had a conversation with my friend Naomi a while ago about, like, a lot of the hype around her going on tour and stuff recently. Because a lot of it has been, like, a lot of the criticism of Cher is pure misogyny. And, like, misogyny and ageism mixed together. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I mean, it didn't surprise me, but it's just that, like, wow, are we really at that point? (laughs) What, people thinking she's too old? To go yeah, on tour. like she's 73 and she's still able to prance around in next to nothing on stage, selling out arenas. She's like, amazing. could you imagine if a man had that kind of longevity going for nearly 50 years? <laughs> Paul McCartney is quaking in his boots. <laughs> <laughs> well, so Dancing Queen nearly, I think it nearly got the top spot for like album of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was beaten to it by Rod Stewart. I who, hate him. Who's about the same age as her. I don't like him. Yeah, and it's like, so she's now the oldest woman. I mean, aside from Vera Lynn, who I think we can <laughs> She's the oldest woman. <laughs> well, Vera Lynn's like in the hundreds, and when she when it was the anniversary of the war, like, she had a Greatest Hits album come out, and I think that's very, like, wartime nostalgia, and it's a very, like, specific thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so if we discount Vera Lynn, not to delegitimize her, but just to put her in her own separate, like, playing field, um, like, Cher is the oldest woman to, to have a number one album. 
Wow. And to have like top ten hits. Like she's seventy three. Like And she looks amazing. Yeah. I I wish I looked that good at seventy three. I'm not gonna look good at seventy three. Probably not. I'm probably not gonna be dancing around on stage taking my clothes off. I can't even dance now. <laughs> I have like no knees. I don't think I ever had knees. Are you just all like yeah, all like no knee. I can't slut from. I just get down when I can't get back up. Yeah, I do that, but that's mainly because I have dodgy knees. I have dodgy knees as well. This is a millennial problem. Everybody I know has dodgy knees. <laughs> and a back problem. And a back problem. <laughs> I know, I started working in admin and like six months later they're like, you need glasses, you have a fucked up back. <laughs> I was like, yeah, because I do front of house stuff at the gallery. Like, I stand for seven hours a day and I get past the first hour and I'm like, uh, my knees and my ankles are going, I need a sit. I know. Yeah, I used to have a standing all day job and now I have a sitting all day job. And I think the sitting's actually worse. Yeah. So. Which is why, yeah, at 73, I'm probably not going to be prancing around on stage like Cher is. Although I wish, I really hope I have that kind of longevity. I think you will. You, like, yell about stuff a lot. So I need to start tweeting in caps lock, don't I? Yes. <laughs> I need to have a better Twitter identity is what I need. I'm so bad at Twitter. I like don't even have the app anymore. Yeah, this is why I switched to Instagram as my main Instagram thing. is fuck. Yeah, and also like the, the Instagram account bitches they share is is so great. Okay. It's where I get all my news from. Tell me your top five share songs. Oh, I'm my... gonna know like one. Maybe. <laughs> um, okay, because I'm such a hipster, like all my top five share songs are like ones that are like not the mainstream ones off the <laughs> albums. They're all like the underrated ones. And I just need a playlist and put Believe on it. <laughs> I mean, it's a bop. I once managed to get the entire of uh, the Fenton singing Believe one night during the Otley run. The Fenton has really demonic energy. So yeah. you manage that. That's impressive. Yeah, what was it? I think we'd just gone out drinking after going to see one of the degree shows and everybody else said, disappeared and I was just kind of sat there with all these Otley runners and I just went up to the jukebox put the lid on <laughs> and they all were just like oh my god and there were people standing on tables screaming it was beautiful oh wow so I have one song that I really like off uh the album Closest to the Truth um which is the song Favourite Scars because it's like a really like oh my god that sounds emo no it's like a really chill song it's about how like um how her favourite scars are actually caused by love and it's actually a really nice song. It's really chill and it's just like one of those kind of sway songs. <laughs> it's really nice. Okay. Listen to it. Okay. Um, yeah, so that's off the album Close to the Truth. And then I have two off of Living Proof, which is another kind of like dancey. It was a, like early 2000s, like, yeah, I'm going to do another album. I'm going to like continue with this Euro dance kind of thing that I've got going on. Um, so one is Alive Again. Um, which again is like a kind of like lovely song about just wanting to like feel alive again, and like, <laughs> like feel the rain and not quite like Natasha Bedingfield feel the rain in the skin kind of thing, but like in that kind of thing. And it's got a really nice video as well, which is her just in many, many different looks. Love it. Yeah. It's just her in like this random blue corridor with various looks, like just like weird arm movements. Ooh, yes. Um, and then another one from the album, which is uh, When the Money's Gone. Which is this like really trashy Euro dance kind of song. Um, about like, will you still love me when I'm skint? Nice. Um, yeah. So, no more caviar, eat fast food in a beat up car. Nice. Like, yeah. I would still love Cher then. Yeah. I mean, she's been bankrupt God knows how many times. Really? So. Yeah, she's terrible with money. <gasps> Doesn't she have like a financial advisor? 
I mean, she probably does, but what is the chances she listens to them? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, I think it, the album is actually called Share. I think it's from the 80s. Um, so there's one song on it that I really love called Working Girl, which is a bit kind of like nine to five-y about like, you know, a woman's having to like walk through the rain to get to work and then like the boss is checking her out and like says, go, go get some coffee and she's like getting really angry at him. And it's like really empowering, really feminist and it's just a really nice Ooh. song. But it's like soft rock kind of like. That's fun. Um, but my last one that I can think of is from the same album and it's called Perfection. And it's this like big, like epic rock song about like, um, other line is like, nothing's perfect when love ain't right or something like that. And it's, which is kind of a weird line, but it's a really cool song. Um, just about how like she's worked to be perfect for so long and still isn't perfect. And, <laughs> like there's, there's one line that's like, uh, you've got a list of lovers looking like a resume and I'm like, ouch. <laughs> this I is why attacked. I think you're a Scorpio every <laughs> fucking day. I'm not, I'm a cancer. Okay. Um, but it's a really, really cool song. It's got Bonnie Tyler and Darlene Love doing the backing what? vocals on it. Yeah. Okay. Amazing. Yeah. I think that's my, my top five share picks. What's that? Five. So Believe isn't one of them. <laughs> I love Believe. It's got a special place in my heart because it's the one I listened to when I was a kid a lot. And I used to get car sick a lot. Um, so it was one of the songs my dad would put on <laughs> that I would just like scream to in the car so it would distract me from feeling sick. It was that and uh, I Turned to You by Mel C. Ooh. Um, oh, I was going to ask you what Spice Girl you would be if you were a Spice Girl. What Spice Girl do you think I'd be? I think you'd be Jerry Halliwell. Yeah, Even I though think you're not I probably ginger. Would. I'm just, I'm, I'm the non-Tory Jerry Halliwell, okay? <laughs> yes, and I would be Posh Spice, but that would mean I could be married to David Beckham. Yeah, do you remember what um, her maiden name is? It's, it's a great pub quiz what is it? question. Adams. That, Spelt like that, the Adams family. That does not suit her. No. Shit. She's yeah. like more of a Beckham than he is. Yeah, I think she's the one that really created the Beckham brand. She did it. She's like the Chris Jenner, but like low-key... The original Christiana. There we go. Yes. <laughs> I don't know if she'd like that comparison. I think she'd probably play into it. Did you ever see her thing for Vogue? No. Um. So was it for like, I can't remember what anniversary, was it the anniversary of British Vogue? Um. They got her in and it, she, it was clearly like her taking the piss, but she was being this massive diva and just like wearing half the outfits that she was wearing from when she was in the Spice Girls and stuff and just... <gasps> Oh my god, she's wearing a cat suit. Why haven't I seen it? But she's like playing it like really, really seriously. Oh my god. To the point where you're just like, no, this is definitely a skit because she wouldn't be like this, this serious and this diva. Oh my god. I can't wait to watch that later. Yeah, watch it, it's great. (laughs) I can't believe how high she can get her leg. Also, I can't believe that she didn't go on the Spice Girls tour. It's it's beneath her. Do you know what she was doing instead? What? She has a whole fashion line. She's probably really busy. Oh, she wasn't doing the fashion line. She was being a curator. For what? She was curating feminist art exhibitions. Oh my god, I think she's actually my icon. So her and uh, Jerry actually have qualifications in art history. Oh my god. Yeah. Shit, so I am Victoria Beckham. Yeah. Essentially, but I can't get my leg up. <laughs> and I'm not married. I'm, I'm going to make no comments about you not being able to get your leg over. <laughs> But yeah, I think I probably would end up being Jerry because I, I think I'd quite enjoy that, like, camp, like... Yes! Also, she's got the biggest hype around her. Like, Mel C was, like, the most skilled vocally. Yeah. 
Whereas Jerry had the biggest hype. Did she? Yeah. Did she? <laughs> you clearly aren't gay enough to, to know this. I'm sorry. I'm bisexual. I'm just half. <laughs> I only know half the knowledge. Oh, yeah. So I was going to ask you, does it matter if a gay icon is actually straight? Okay. So I saw an article about this that really pissed me off because it started trying to take down Cher and I wasn't happy. <laughs> um, I can't remember what the article was in. Um but it was very much going, look, we have gay people in the media now. Like, we have gay people singing. Like, we we don't have to resort to this. And that really annoys me because that is very much part of our history. Also fucking rude. And, like, the gay people that are around now, some of them are trash. Some of them aren't even, like... Yeah. I feel way more represented by Cher doing an ABBA covers album than I do by half of the gay singers that we have. Yeah. I feel more represented by Cher doing an ABBA cover album than I do by a rainbow set of steps or a rainbow bridge. Like, I feel seen by Cher doing an ABBA album. Yeah. And I just think, as long as they're not, like, an actual homophobe or, like, actually being yeah. trash. But, like, look at the reasons why straight women became gay icons because a lot of them had that whole thing of, like, they weren't being taken seriously. They were having misogyny thrown at them. They were being persecuted for whatever. It's the reason why, like, Cher became such a big icon. Kylie, Madonna, Donna Summer, even though she said some weird shit about gay people. Um, yeah, because they're constantly facing all this shit. Mm-hmm. And, like, as gay TM people, mm-hmm. we identify with that. Yeah. Like, again, I very much identify with a lot of the shit that Cher has been through because she has faced a lot of that, the same that, like, our community has in general. Like... We've had to fight for rights. We've had to fight to be able to do the things that we want to do. And Cher has very much had to do that. She's had mm-hmm. to fight to be taken seriously. And, like, as a queer person, I'm constantly having to do that. I'm constantly having to try and find a way to make myself serious in a meeting and, and get myself legitimised within that, which is ridiculous. Yes. Like, straight professionalism <laughs> makes me want to die. People yeah. in suits should be banned. Unless it's like Kate Blanchett. Yes. <laughs> Only Promotions women in eight. suits. <laughs> that that green velvet lesbian power suit that she wore in, in Ocean's Eight. I know. And there was definitely lesbian subtext, as in, oh she's been in prison and she used to be dating Kate Blanchett. Oh yeah, no, like the the two of them, like Sandra Bullock and Kate Blanchett have said like they played it that way specifically because they were like, No, there would be there would be this here. And they actually said, like, if there is another Oceans movie that has an all-female cast, they specifically want trans women in it next time. Well, that's good. Because that was the one thing that they both said they really regretted was that they didn't have a trans woman in it. Mm -hmm. Like, it wasn't really... I thought it was a really good movie. Like, some people said it was kind of trash, but I think that was, like, part of it. Yeah, but that was the appeal. It was to make it, like, a trashy girls' night out movie. Exactly. Like, it's the same with Hustlers. Like, everybody's looking at the trailer and seeing it as this like trashy girls night out movie and nobody's actually looking at well no there are people looking at it but a lot of people are just going oh it's a film about strippers and it's like actually it's a really nuanced film about class war like Mm -hmm. it's it's a really really good movie like it's set around the time of the financial crash in 2007 like there is a lot more to it than just j-lo pole dancing i mean that is (laughs) let's talk about hustlers let's talk about hustlers
J-Lo deserves a fucking Oscar. Like, if she doesn't get a fucking Oscar, I will storm the Academy myself. <laughs> I've heard a lot of people saying that, so I think it's taking off. If you can give Olivia Colman an Oscar, you can give J-Lo an Oscar. <gasps> what have you got against Olivia Colman? Or Nothing. do you mean for the favourite? I didn't see that. I didn't see the favourite, but... Against that thing of, like... J-Lo has worked just as long and just as hard. Like, everybody thinks of her just being in these trashy movies, like Made in Manhattan, Monster-in-Law, The Wedding Planner. Like, she's been in a lot of really serious movies and she's taken roles not because she wants to be, like, J-Lo in this big movie. She's taken yeah. roles because she wants to act and she wants to be in good moves and she wants to hone her skills. Mm-hmm. And, like, she's now at this point where that role, like, the one that directed it said, I specifically wanted her to play this role. Yeah, if it wasn't just, the... like, we want a celebrity lead and no, J-Lo totally. like, wanted to do it. There were celebrity cameos in it, but it was, like, we don't want to make a thing of them. We picked J-Lo because she's the embodiment of Ramona in this. Like, she fits that bill perfectly. I mean, even though she's, yes, she's very rich now, she looks great because she's rich and she's probably had a lot of Botox, but it's fine. <laughs> but, like, you know, she worked a lot to be able to do a lot of those pole dancing moves. I watched it and was like, oh, you can't pole see her face when she's doing it. fucking hard. Yeah, I genuinely thought she had a, a, a stunt uh, double yeah. for it. And then when I went away and watched it, there were actually clips of her on YouTube training for it. And I'm like, wow, no, she has actually put time and effort mm-hmm. into doing this. She has fully committed herself to that role. And that is beautiful. Like, Constance Wu in it as well is fantastic. Um, so if Jayla does get an Oscar, she's probably going to get best supporting because mm-hmm. um, Constance Wu was really the lead in it but yeah she's just so good in it. and the movie is so good it's really well shot like the cinematography is fantastic the sound editing is beautiful there are there are really great simple ways that they actually work with the sound in that which really excites me <laughs> um, there's just like a point where um, there ends up being a phone call and the entire thing you can tell is recorded through a phone that's cool. Which is really simple and like you don't normally get that. You just normally get like it just recorded. Yeah. But it's actually recorded through a phone. There's a bit where they cut the sound from the entire movie because um Constance Wu ends up pressing stop on the the interview recorder thing. And just suddenly like there's no sound in the movie. And you just like for like nearly five minutes there's nothing. That's you just cool. see all this stuff happening but you don't hear anything and you just get the whole like vibe of it. And it's really What's great. What's the energy of the film? Like, is it serious or is it fun or is it both? It's a mix of both. So it has, like, it starts off being, like, really fun and camp and lovely. And then you kind of get to the point of, like, and oh, now it's 2007. And it's the financial <laughs> crash. Fuck. Yeah, and then it kind of gets to, like, kind of fun again. Um, kind of problematic fun. But in a way that you're, like, actually, no, this is a really nuanced conversation that's happening through this, which needs to happen. Um, I'm trying not to spoil it for you. <laughs> That's okay. I um, think I might watch it tonight with Olivia. Yeah, do do see it because it is, it is such a good film. And it is, like I said, it's a nuanced thing about class war and about how race intersects with that. And like, yeah, because you don't... Like, you get movies about working class women having to deal with that stuff, but you don't get it in that way. And it's it's fantastic to actually see that. Yeah, I think it is really surprising. Like, I we haven't seen a movie that is about, like, sex worker Jason or sex workers. So I think it's good. And also it's, like, taking the all-female cast thing 
a bit more seriously because when it first started happening they were like oh we're gonna do but ghostbusters but with women i was like oh like don't just do every film with women because it doesn't make it feminist or good yeah so lindsay ellis has a really good video on on this which probably doesn't quite tackle that as much but it's this whole thing of like i'm particular with like beauty and the beast like they tried to make that more feminist and they tried to make aladdin more feminist and like everyone's now hashtag girl boss and it's like no actually Belle was actually still a really inspirational feminist character in the original movies Jasmine very much was like so Lindsay Ellis's video talks about the song that Jasmine has which is like oh I won't be silenced I won't be quiet and it's like no she just wasn't quiet in the movie like that was all that was needed like in the original movie she took no shit yeah that, that was it I don't I don't I don't need a feminist song. Disney remakes of anything. I didn't even see The Lion King, even though Beyonce. I've been told Beyonce feels a bit like shoehorned Ooh. into it, which I'm I'm not. Again, Lindsay Ellis had a video on this. Go watch Lindsay Ellis if you've okay. not watched her stuff. Because she does a lot of like film So she does a lot of like film critiques um on YouTube and they're really good. Um so there's one about like how that whole thing started with um like getting celebrities into movies it kind of started with robin williams a bit because he did fern gully which like the role in that was specifically written for him and then disney were like oh we want to do a similar thing mm-hmm. um and then he said i will do it but i've avoided doing anything disney because i don't want you to use me as a marketing tool like yeah. i literally just want to be a part in this movie i want to be in a movie because it's a good movie yeah um and they broke that contract and they started using him as a, a way to market it and it just went on from there, and they continually have done that by getting a big name star into it, not because they're talented. I mean, Beyonce is is very skilled, but also she's in that because she's Beyonce. Yeah, and also like if it doesn't make sense for the film, don't do it. And I felt like having her and like Donald Glover was a really weird combo. Yeah, like I can imagine Donald Glover because like. He has done acting stuff before and he's, he's done like a lot of performing and he's really great. But Beyonce, I'm kind of like, you literally just got her because she's Beyonce. Like, there are a lot of black women who are performers <laughs> who could have done that. Yeah. But why would we do that when we can get Beyonce? Okay, I'm not having any Beyonce slander on my podcast. <laughs> I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm not like slandering her. Like, she's great. But also it's that thing of like, there are other people in the world I just think they should stop doing live action. Disney need to like actually make a new movie. I actually prefer it when they get famous people to be in animated things because then you might not actually realise they're in it. Yeah, unless we're talking about something like Mamma Mia or like a really camp thing where it's like, I want a celebrity cameo. I want a share cameo. Ugh, I actually love Colin Firth. I love him. Like, yeah, I he's do. got the range. He does all these funny films, but he was in a single man and it's like the most beautiful film ever. But I think also that's a thing that he he uses to his strength there. With like he's this serious actor known for period dramas, you know, he's Mr. Darcy. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, okay, we're gonna get him to do like that's why they got Piers Bronson in the original Mamma Mia, because he's done James Bond, he's you know, this like sex symbol and then he's he... so bad at singing. And then you've got I... him being the worst singer. <laughs> I don't know how they talked him into it. But that's like, that is playing off of that stuff, which I really love. Like, I I think that's great. Just being able to, okay, we've got James Bond, who's like this, you know, yeah, international sex symbol. He's done like, all this, like, again, like James Bond is camp, but it's a very different camp. It's very yeah. macho camp. Whereas this, we've got like, we're now going to make James Bond sing to Meryl Streep 
in the gayest movie you will ever see. I really wish I could see, like, the conversations they had when they were trying to, like, convince his agent that he was going to stay. Yeah, that... Yeah. Because he's bad. Like, genuinely bad. And they have auto-tuned him, and he's still bad. Yeah. I mean, I love Meryl Streep, but also, like... She doesn't have a lot of range in that movie. She has a lot more in Into the Woods. I've never seen that. What's that about? Have you never heard of it? I actually live under a rock. Okay, so it's a Stephen Sondheim um, musical, and it's basically like all the fairy tales. So, yeah, it's basically about all the fairy tales that you get. It's supposedly based on Bruno Bettelheim's book, The Uses of Enchantment, which is like a child psychology book about like how children use fairy tales, blah, blah, blah. Um, it's it's not that interesting a book. Oh. Um, but yeah, so he basically made this musical. So it's basically got all the fairy tales in it. It's got Cinderella, uh, Red Riding Hood. There's the archetypal like Wicked Witch that Meryl Streep mm. plays. And she said for years, I'm never going to play a witch. Never going to play a witch. Because, you know, older women always get pigeonholed as the grandmother or the witch. Mm-hmm. Like those kinds of roles. Um, and it was Stephen Sondheim that... I pre- approached her and was like look I want you to do this and she went actually yes because you are one of the biggest playwrights I I kind of have to say yes now <laughs> um, and she plays that so well she has this like really haunting like bit into it uh, where she sings uh, what's the song like is it Stay With Me or something um, where she's singing it to I can't remember who the actress is that's in it this has a weird cast it's Meryl Streep Emily Blunt James yep. Corden Anna Kendrick, Chris Pine, Johnny Depp? It's, oh, Johnny Depp is creepy as fuck, in it? Johnny Depp in life is creepy. Johnny Depp in life is creepy. I'm so glad he's not going to be in the parts of the Caribbean. Remakes. I want him dead, okay? So there's a list of people I want dead, and Woody Allen is top. I'm, like, actually going to have a party the day he dies. And Johnny Depp is, like, close second. Oh, the father. Who was it who was defending him? Everyone. Everyone. But there was, like, who's the famous actress that was doing it? Which one? Johnny like, Depp or... Woody Allen. Fucking... Scarlet, oh. I want to be a tree. <laughs> yes. I just, I love that for her. If she wants to go back to amateur <laughs> acting and play a tree. She's like, I want to be in the nativity as the doorknob on the door. <laughs> yes. She's going to play sheep number two in the nativity. Were you ever in a nativity? I was. I, I was Joseph in my nursery nativity but icon. So in the in the nativity that we did, I played shepherd number two. No, was it shepherd mm, number two? Okay. Something to that effect. And then we did a really weird Christmas play, which oh, no, was... I wasn't Joseph. I was the innkeeper because my only oh. line was like, there's no room. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine that for you. <laughs> they were like, she's so dramatic. <laughs> just give her one line. That's all you need. Just one line, just a cameo. Um, but I was in this really weird play that was about Christmas decorations. And I played the broken fairy light because there was a box oh of broken decorations. God, that's so sad. Yeah, so I, I had my own solo singing about being a broken fairy light. Fuck. And my costume was, was like, so at the time I was the only like, oh, let's go with it. I was the only non-girl. Okay. Um, but at the fairy lights, the rest of them were girls. And I was the only non-girl playing a fairy light because I had the voice of an angel and then puberty hit and I got stuck with this. <laughs> Um, I like your voice. I like it when we're at Quick Area Kid. You're like, Mommy's gonna have a cigarette. <laughs> I got told by one of my teachers that I didn't look like a fairy light. And that was, that was heartbreaking for oh me. Oh my god. 
fuck off everyone well obviously the brief was broken fairy like so my mum's there like mm, we just won't try with the costume then because like you need to not look as bright as the other fairy lights um so i basically just had like vest and shorts and this like hat that had a broken fairy light in it <laughs> whereas everyone else has these like silver tutus <sighs> with these like hats that are covered in like silver tinsel and like fairy lights all over them this is a really heartbreaking story this is my childhood this is <laughs> this is gonna go in my memoirs when i finally write them okay so i've had a sneak peek of your memoir Do you have an agenda or do you not have an agenda? You can um, make one up. Let's make one up. Let's see what I can come up with. Let's put me on the spot. You only have to say three things. Okay, so my agenda would be... Oh. Ooh, that was my ankle. <laughs> let's cut that off. My agenda would be that all millennials no longer have the early onset of arthritis. <laughs> oh my God. Because we all have it. It's all coming up. I don't know how to stop it. They should tell you in school that you're going to start aging at 20. Because I thought you only yeah. start fucking up at, like, 50. Yeah. I've been to a fucking osteopath, and I'm 24. I know so many people around our age that have had that have had to do that. And it's, like, like my knees are fucked, Holly's knees are fucked, like... Everyone's knee is fucked. Yeah, none of us have decent knees at the minute. Like, what what is going on? How do none of us have good knees? I want good knees for everyone. <laughs> if I win Miss America... <laughs> I want world peace and good knees. I I think I want a good shoulder. My shoulder is fucked. And I want to just never have back pain. Yeah, no back pain. Old. No back pain. I want good knees, good ankles. I want to look good at 73. Yeah. I want to have I want to have a, the longevity of career. This is I'm just That's I'm, fine. I'm not even doing a proper agenda. That's I'm totally just like fine. rambling. What do I want? What do I wish for? <laughs> Yeah, I could do a three wishes segment. Three wishes. What what would my three wishes be? Yeah. Oh, to meet Cher would definitely be one wish. <laughs> so good knees and to meet Cher. Okay. So you have a third wish. A third wish. I would like um, lots and lots and lots of money so I can buy a big house to house all the queers and get an allotment and like just make an entirely self-sustaining queer community. Beautiful. Would you have it in Leeds? Yes. Okay. Because as, as the Queen of Leeds... <laughs> Oh, that look. Controversial oh, no. moment on the podcast. Who do you think is the Queen of Leeds? I don't think there is one. I hate that bullshit. I'm like, stop. No monarchy but pillow princesses. Yes. Abolish the monarchy except pillow princesses. Yes. And like, I don't I don't think we should have a top dog. I think it makes people angry. It does, but also look at who's doing all the work. Okay. Okay. If anybody's going to be Queen of Leeds, it's going to be me and Ollie. Yes. Yes. That's true. We are the royal couple. The business bitches. Yes. That's We're the power enough. couple. That's fair enough. Are you Huna. dating? Huna. <laughs> what would be our power couple name? Huna. That doesn't Lolly. sound good. <laughs> Lolly. No. Okay, great. That's the end. <laughs> Thanks for coming. Thanks for having me on your wonderful podcast. Yay. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.